Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Steve's here. I'm here. It's full moon tonight. It's the worm moon. The worm moon. Usually every calendar month has one lunar full moon, and they've all got a little nickname, like uh, Farmer's Almanac style. Mm-hmm. So uh, this month it's the worm moon. Are they but, all uh, animals? No, sometimes it's the strawberry moon is one. Mm. White boy summer moon. Yeah. So I guess we're all pro Chet. Is a pro Chet podcast? Yeah, obviously. He's a delightful simpleton. Now explain this for those that haven't kept up with Chet Hanks. Chet Hanks, also known as Chet Hayes, is... (laughs) (laughs) You know, unlike his brother, he doesn't need to constantly remind people of his father in order to have a career. But I want to clear something up right here. Okay, Colin Hanks is Chet's half-brother. Colin and Elizabeth are Tom's children with his first wife. Some no-name person. (laughs) Sorry, that's rude. And then he gets with Rita Wilson, who is Greek, and uh, has two more kids, one of which is Chet. There's a younger one out there somewhere. Chet never talks about being Greek, but he does have a large icon tattoo on his arm and a big Greek Orthodox cross on his back. So um, I'm just like, what about Greek boy summer? He probably thinks it's a Celtic cross for some reason. They went to Greek church, okay? I won't be blasphemed because, in fact, Tom and Rita produced My Big Fat Greek Wedding because they related to the story Mm. so much. Mm. Because Tom went whole hog. He converted to Greek Orthodoxy. They go to the church in LA. It's a whole thing. He's a citizen of Greece now. We learned that right before he went to Corona. Yeah, Yeah. right before he got COVID. I remember that. He got his Greek citizenship. So he could escape and quarantine on an island. Yeah. Must be nice. (laughs) Anyway, the warm moon. That's this month's moon. I think it's the pink moon is next month. When there's two full moons in one month though, you know what that's called? A blue moon? Yeah, that is a blue moon. That's exactly it. Yeah. (laughs) I knew that. That's your moon trivia that you tune into this podcast for. Your moon trivia. I kind of like this from like a Charlie Kelly from Always Sunny perspective. Like I could just imagine him going like, yeah, I'm going to start a moon podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I just watched the greatest piece of satire since Jonathan Swift. What was it? Crank 2, the great return of Chev Chelios. 
I don't know if you guys have seen it. I, I'm pretty sure it, I like watched it with you back in the day. Yeah, she loved that movie. And yeah. let's just say it holds up. There's brain and vats. There's lots of racism. Mm-hmm. It's like the most LA movie of all time. But uh, yeah, I've actually just been watching a lot of documentary series that I think you've been watching, Bunny. Based on your feed. Did you pick up the Q doc? Yeah, I watched the Q documentary. <laughs> Wait, I didn't watch today's episode. Wait, there's a third one third. that's out? I think it's four. I think it's no, four. No, I watched it yesterday and there was only two out. I watched the first two episodes this week and I just wanted to bully all of these people so badly. Oh, it was like all the world's dorks. I think it's hard for me as a weirdo, okay, I want to make this distinction, who's sometimes mistaken for a nerd or a dork. Uh, I'm realizing through watching these people, I am different. Um, <laughs> You're not, like, running a pig farm? Well, I just am like, they're so certain and pleased with themselves and self-serious and, like, I'm fighting pedophiles who are drinking the blood of children. And I'm like, no, you sat at your kitchen and like you posted things, you shared things, you read things on the internet. Maybe you met some people, but you did not like actually do anything, even if I were to entertain, this is real. Though I did like the, because I had read a little bit about the background about 8chan and mm -hmm. et cetera. So I was glad to see that sort of extrapolated in film form, I guess. See, I thought that was the most boring part. I mean, uh, it's boring, but I definitely think What's-His-Face is full of shit. Which one? They're uh, all full not of the, shit. Yeah, they're all full of shit. But The disabled the, kid? The guy? No. Not the disabled guy. The weird uh, pornographer who, like, lives in Thailand, does it? Yeah, the guy who made everybody move to the Philippines. Oh, uh, Philippines, that's right. Yeah, and he's like, oh, gee, golly, gosh, I don't know nothing about nothing. I oh, don't... Lord, oh, oh, oh. I'm just the sore, got, poor, simple folk. Yeah, and then well, I think his kid's actually dumb, but I think he is... Well, um, he likes to meditate. Which means that he's balanced. This is the guy who currently runs 8chan. I, I haven't seen the documentary. But well, he doesn't run 8chan. He's very clear about this. He's simply providing the servers. Right. He um, runs 8chan and is also probably Q, at least according to QAnon Anonymous. These two additional episodes, I think they're going to get more explicit about that. But yeah. yeah okay. But so far, we've been introduced via this documentary. He is just completely... It, irritates me i just he's creepy he's creepy but he's got this specific thing where he's so sure he's so much more clever than every other living soul that everyone's buying exactly what he's selling so he thinks like he's pulling it off also he, they are forthright that he is at least colloquially referred to as autistic because he's got this fixation with the pens he's and that's got so kind many of pen things and this is kind of the most damning i think connection and so this is something i had read about a while back but essentially that the q posts started fixating on look at the pen that trump is using and and this guy's one of his hyper focuses is fancy pens. The frustrating thing about this documentary is that they are searching for an origin. And that's like, I think, the wrong way to go about it. It is compelling, but it, I don't give a shit, really. 
really who to it. Like, I, I don't care. I am more interested in the belief system that these people have, which is why I thought the first episode was a lot more interesting than the second, because it does have a lot of, I think we talked about it before, like there is a meta narrative to it that I think is so interesting. There is like this redemptive aspect to how all these people see themselves playing out in this larger story. You know, there are bad people in this world and that they are these online activists who have become enlightened and now are just spreading the word about it and that in the end there will be this kind of redeeming factor that will bring to light this revolution. That's, I mean, admirable to have that, I guess. It's also very Christian. And uh, yeah, I thought the, the personal anecdotes of people getting involved, finding meaning. This is the first time these people seem to have had any type of light shined on them. And that's interesting to me. However, the like nerds that seem like they're running like a sex farm on a pig farm in Philippines and acting like they're the most important people in the world because they run a website is not really that interesting to me. Uh, I'm interested in so far if they've got any gotcha evidence coming up. Uh, Like a newsworthy evidence? What's interesting for me watching it is just the palpable feeling I have of just how much wind has dissipated from the Q sales. Yeah. This documentary should have been put out possibly before the election. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> a good time at, to do it. At the same time, the only thing that seems to validate the existence of this is the failure of January 6th and like the election. Like it would still be going. Yeah, it would have been a very different uh, documentary had Trump won a second term. Or had they like actually like successfully put Trump back in power on January 6th and Trump revealed that actually all the celebrities are under arrest. Yeah. After all. Everything is true in the queue. <laughs> that would have been this is an awesome doc. Yeah. Something I liked about the doc was uh, I think there should be more uh, wheelchair dogs. That dog He's got a little, was so uh, wheelchair sweet. dog. And it and fell, in a, fell asleep. It fell asleep. <laughs> in his arms mid-documentary. It was awesome. But yeah, it makes me wonder why can't I just post something anonymously? I fucking you know, tried. I I tried to get those Biden killed his kids rumors started (laughs) to no avail. Yeah, like what's the X factor there? That's what I want to know. I don't necessarily care who was posting as Q like initially, but like who was the first person who was like, oh yeah, this resonates with me because I guess like that's what I'd be more interested in. The Ali to Q's Muhammad, if you will. Like, Mm -hmm. how did it go viral is what you're interested in? I'm more interested in those players than I am at this point interested in the person pretending like they have some made-up clearance in the government. That's the other thing that I hope 
they'll get into, but the fact that queue clearance is not, uh, in fact, a real thing or what could be referred to as queue clearance is simply when multiple people were engineering on a government project. They only know information about their part of it by design. So it doesn't, in fact, infer secret knowledge, even in a context where you could say, oh, it is a real thing. But all of the regular civilian people that they spoke to seemingly just accepts all of the jargon as truth. And then they're like 80 steps ahead of that. So I'm just sort of interested in, it's a lot of these, that one woman who was very self-serious about her saving children, I guess. I'm just interested what bit of it hooked her. Well, it did interest me that all these opportunists all just made a living off of it. I mean, it's a pretty good way of making a living as somebody who hosts a podcast. Maybe we should title this to try to get cute people to listen. <laughs> yeah. They'd love it. They, they'd love it. I mean, this is our perfect chance to spread the Biden killed his kids conspiracy again and just hashtag we go one we go all. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's interesting to see how market forces, because algorithms and podcast SEO scores are geared towards knowing what's marketable at any given time. You know, you saw the people that went from having like 100 people listen to their things to like 20,000. And suddenly they're like able to pay rent in their credit cards because a lot of them were struggling and seemingly a lot of them got let go of their job because they believed conspiracy theories. And now they make a living talking about it. I, I mean, it's not mm -hmm. the worst way to make a living is what I'm saying. Well, and then it seems implicit that by virtue of their ability to make a living this way, that verifies what they're doing that validates which it. they q is real because they're able to make a living which which is very much in line with a certain segment of christianity which is like i, I think you're uh thinking of the uh calvinist idea essentially you display the fact that you are one of the elect by having prosperity in your life. Yeah, the prosperity gospel is what. Oh, yeah, okay, that that is, as well, which is a different thing, but similar ideas. But the idea that if you know they talked about this also in the other one, what is that? Nexium. I was watching that documentary too. Is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, there were two of those documentaries. One was on HBO. It was uh, The Vow on HBO. And then the one on Stars was called Seduced. Uh, I'm watching I, Seduced. I highly recommend both of them um, because basically you end up getting a higher up person in a cult's perspective and a lower person in a cult's perspective with this, with watching both. Seduced is uh, very focused on the newer person. Uh, it's India Oxenberg. Yeah, she's royalty and related to the Yugoslav monarchy that oh. is defunct. Yeah, very funny. Um, her mom was on like Dallas or what, uh, Dynasty. Yeah, Dynasty. And she also um, played uh, Princess Di in like two movies. Oh, cool. Wow. And 
Anyway, <laughs> and she, um, she was very young when she got involved with Nexium. And it was interesting to see how the, I don't know, Steve, if you watch the other one, the vow is very much uses a lot of the person Mark, his footage, because he was a very high up person in the cult who was constantly making films and documentaries. And Keith was like, film me doing this and that and whatever. So we had all this footage once he left the cult uh, and he made this documentary. But what India will talks about is how basically the higher ups like Mark had to get more and more people into this program. Mm -hmm. Their livelihoods depended on it. I really liked it because um, I like a cult where one thing about it works. Like everyone's like, oh my God, this thing we're doing, it like is awesome in these ways. And like, I don't know, man, I feel like we cured this guy's Tourette. <laughs> like, you know, they never like truly vet these things, but uh, I could see a claim like that being believed by many people uh, is very compelling. And of course, the experience that people describe doing the like techniques or whatever is like because they're based on basically neuro-linguistic programming mm -hmm. and like hypnosis techniques yeah. frankly it, it seems for in a certain way and for many years there was no like sex cult part of this thing it was just a this, Scientology like, yeah yeah it was just like this method and like uh and like or no, Falun Gong yeah, like little bits of these cults where there's like one thing that if you only got exposure to the one thing that was like sort of effective in this microcosm, you might, you know, be vulnerable to be well, drawn into the whole Yeah, event. I mean, that is my experience with the Falun Gong is that the people really, really like the meditative dancing. And then they're like, I did it. And you guys, I liked it. <laughs> like I had no 10 years ago when there was just a group that did it by Columbia University. And I had heard nothing except the now what I know to be the Falun Gong propaganda <laughs> <laughs> um, about, you know, them being like persecuted from what I could see at the time was just a different kind of Tai Chi. I liked it very much, but I like Tai Chi very much. I like imagining I have a ball of energy. Uh, then I'm I'm moving around. I, I enjoy that. So, <laughs> but I think if you're very young or naive or like you've had trauma in your life. I mean, that was a lot of the experience I talked to. People experienced trauma, loss, or they were living in communes or living in no stable housing kind of situations, and you find that doing this. Tai Chi helped, you know, it drew you in one thing that worked, as you said, and then mm -hmm. suddenly you're on a street corner with a bunch of pictures of people being tortured and signing people up for classes and then going and, you know, being sex trafficked. Well, and I think there's, um, you know, there's, I've definitely come across uh, in my, in my, dips and dive into the like, woo-woo world, there's definitely organizations and such that I've come across that I definitely also kind of reach this barometer. I mean, they did the documentary about the Bikram guy last year, and I've done Bikram yoga, and I, I like oh, yeah, it, guys. I, I, I get it. 
But like all cults, one guy was like, gotta fuck everyone. God told me so. <laughs> so but um, what I was going to say about the cult and that related to the other documentary about QAnon is that it gave people structure. Um, and this is something I've been reading about. The workings of fascism is that it works in the everyday and that it kind of maps out your day to an insane degree. And I witnessed this firsthand. Like you have oh. to do the exercise at six in the morning, 12 noon, six at night, midnight, or else you're a bad person. Because if you don't do the exercises, then you let the influence of the world come into your life. Corrupt you. And also, yeah. you know, don't trust Western medicine. Don't trust food. I had like coworkers that would just eat deconstructed salads and they would have like this spread of weird like carrot pieces in one thing and then bread in another and then lettuce in another thing. And the, I was like, what, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, it's this new diet that's supposed to be, you know, all the energy from the food. It shouldn't be put into your body at the same time. So you should. Yeah. So you, so, so you eat it one at a time. Stack. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but not at the same time in a sandwich, like just unfolded. Checks out. I mean, yeah, it's a very common cult thing to prescribe. First of all, getting up very early and having something that you do. Uh, I mean, the, last the military thing you go to bed, also does first thing that. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I well. Uh, yeah, no, it's the fact of that. Disciplining people. Yeah, cohesion and discipline. and. But uh, something about the Nexium cult was that uh, Keith Rainier, the people he was most fixated on, he was constantly calling them, demanding they come and meet him for a walk. Mm -hmm. And walking all, all night. night. That was the other thing. He walked all night. Yeah. You never knew when he might be like, get up out of your bed. Let's walk and talk all night. And then he taught the lower downs to do that amongst themselves to each the, other the weird where they had to check in and this is like what the q people seem hungry for they want the q entity to give them more directives i mean that's frankly partially what january 6th was about was their desperation to like make something for real happen thinking that this mastermind entity was going to reveal itself. The thing that Ariel picked up on with the seduced one is that it did seem like a PR scam for these very, very wealthy people. Oh, wow. They're all pretty wealthy. But if you watch The Vow first, you're very forgiving of seduced. I will, I will give right. it that. Because definitely The Vow is incredibly generous to the long-standing higher-ups in this cult who supplied most of the footage for it. You know, a lot of people I know who watched it came away with just feeling like they hated everyone mm. involved. Well, the main guy in The Vow, Mark, the higher-up, he's also the guy who directed the movie what the bleep do we know <laughs> yeah I, so like they mentioned that so put it oh, in this God. um context so he had made that movie before he met keith Rainier. 
So he was already primed. And like, I'll admit, when I was in my early 20s, definitely somebody showed what me that, that. And I was what like, whoa, dude. It's a woo-woo movie that like kind of blends with like pseudoscience about quantum theory. Yeah, it's um, like it, a it, classic so, of that. Uh, someone had the joke of like, oh yeah, kids today don't realize before Joe Rogan, we had our cousin's friend who we bought weed from, who you'd go over to his house and he'd like put on Dave Matthews band and tell you how the CIA is putting chips in the cereal or whatever. Well, what the bleep do we know was actually quite a bit more pseudoscience spiritual. So it implied like the general idea that like you can affect things at a molecular level via your intention. Um, right. It implied that these things were somewhat studied and interviewed people like in this sphere, the edge of the woo woo, like self-help world that sells itself as scientific, you know, but it's something that I remember seeing in my early 20s and being like, oh, whatever. That seems quite silly to me now. But he's also from South Africa, so not great. I mean, the events of 1990, I'm sure, affected his ability to live there. Yeah. The ending of apartheid. Yeah. He, he's a little young for that, but uh, yeah, but that's his big thing. And then he meets Keith Raniere and like just falls for it super hard. And then in The Vow, you get to see him sort of deal with the fact that he believed that this guy, Keith Raniere, was like a martial arts champion and uh, some kind of like, you know, super genius in these ways <laughs> and all this bullshit that Keith just made up. He like totally bought it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has to be like a karate champion at 11 years old. I believe that shit. <laughs> okay, I mean, there's many 11 year olds who were karate champions. It was something very specific. He implied like some kind of preternatural. His whole spiel was like that he had some preordained sort of like specialness about him, but really he'd just been involved in like weird MLMs. The crossover with MLMs was. The most fascinating thing for me with this, Mm -hmm. where he ended up structuring the slave system to look like basically just to be a slave MLM. Yeah. He was like doing Avon lady rounds. Basically, he was getting a little kickback off of each (laughs) slave situation. (laughs) He had his Avon ladies go out, get more Avon ladies, and then play this weird game of cat and mouse where he would just end up having sex with everybody who was in the Avon lady. Yeah, but several of the higher-ups were not targeted for his sexual proclivities or whatever. So they were under the impression that he was not this predator guy because simply he had not pursued them. And that's also what's interesting because then he eventually goes full, you know, like it becomes very explicit when the slave system starts and the Smallville girl is in charge of it. That reminds me of Mac in Always Sunny when he goes back to his gym teacher who he thinks molests all the people and is like why didn't you do me (laughs) and he's wearing like short shorts and he's like what was i not good looking enough for you Yeah. Who wouldn't I mean, want to touch me in unspeakable ways as a seven-year-old? Now that you've brought up Nexium, the Q people still deserve bullying, <laughs> but are they more forgivable because they don't actually have an actual figurehead? 
to focus on. Like it's so vague and mysterious. They can project anything they want onto the whole situation, which is maybe more uh, forgivable than following this short guy. I've always been sort of forgiving uh, two people. I don't know. I'm very... um, it's so hack the blood drinking cabal guys fucking boo it's old as shit yeah new material (laughs) it's a conspiracy theory that goes back to at least ancient Rome where people are like in the dead of night our enemies are drinking the blood of children for like or innocence for special powers this is like a tried and true thing that eventually becomes anti-semitic and then once it becomes anti-semitic anti-semitic i feel like it always is afterwards <laughs> i don't know about you guys but um it kind of always has that connotation going forward so a lot of this stuff i've always have you guys talked to a Q person have you ever met one uh, online or yes, in person yes mostly the ones in the woo-woo space who are vulnerable i've they trolled are, them online before but i wouldn't say i've met them there's one girl i met online who like listens to the same podcast I do, but I listen to the podcast because I like know the comedian who makes the podcast. <laughs> Just about a lot of like shit and what like, podcast are you plugging? Uh, I'm not plugging it. She would hate it if I plugged uh, her podcast. Uh, but nobody listens. It's Jessa Reed is the comic I'm talking about. So Jessa attracts a lot of cool people, a lot of woo woo people. But Jessa's had some very out there experiences. She's very open to a lot of ideas. She talks about it in a very fun way. But, you know, uh, she did end up seemingly attracting some Q people. And there was one in particular who, I mean, the Q people are often also Blue Lives Matter mm-hmm. people, pro-racist uh, free yeah, speech That was people. clear in like, the documentary. So, yeah, it's clear in the documentary. And it was clear even in the woo-woo spaces. But these people were dressing up their bullshit perspectives with some woo-woo language about freedom and fucking understanding other people and looking at yourself. This was the most irritating thing is a Q person being like, don't judge the Q people. Look at yourself. And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, no, I love judging the cute people. It's fun. Yeah, like, (laughs) fuck you guys. You know, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's not unspiritual for me to say fuck you guys. In fact, it's part of my spiritual practice to tell people to fuck off when I feel very moved to do so. But it's very funny because there's a lot of people who are, one way or another, they want the world to end. So (laughs) whether it's through hardcore Christianity, whether it's through some woo-woo stuff, whether it's through a catastrophic secret conspiracy of blah, 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 whether it's aliens, they are looking for their world to end and they're looking to become the star of the show once that starts to go down. That to me is the most common thread is people who either see themselves as intuitively in tune to something or smarter than the average bear. They know they're canning the right beans or whatever the fuck they're doing in survivalist mode. Yeah. And I think I get irritated because not only are these all pretty easily co-opted by people who want to be like racist and misogynist and whatever, it's that it's stupid. This is not how you would survive an apocalyptic event. You would need to organize with other people to decide how to split up the abundance of resources that are available. (laughs) 
once the structure of society has fallen. This idea that, I don't know, you're going to have guns and battle some mythic bad guys who are all, all hopped up on adrenochrome. They got superpowers, guys. What is the plan here? <laughs> you know, we, and, and we haven't even gotten there with this Q documentary. They haven't fully explained adrenochrome. Which is disappointing. Uh, yeah. So, all explanations um, of yeah, adrenochrome very- should just be, yeah, you remember Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? They got that confused with reality. <laughs> yeah. But I do like the idea that you can like bleed the adrenal glands of children for like a magic life youth serum abilities. Because eventually someone's just going to do that. <laughs> They're going to try to mine a child's adrenal glands. Uh, it's yeah. not going to work because adrenochrome doesn't exist. Then they're going to be like, oh, no. Which is what some Q people in the real world have started to. <laughs> they're like, oh, wait, is maybe this not real? <laughs> I hope that's where this four-part series goes. Well, to. I feel like the series was most justified because of January 6th. And they really made that mm-hmm. clear in the first episode that they're going to explain what part it took place in January 6th as kind of like an end point. Um, Mm -hmm. What else is going on? Oh, Suez Canal. Yeah, that big old boat. (laughs) I've seen multiple erotic drawings of the boat as a big, busty, boodalicious woman who's like, I'm so sorry. I saw that. (laughs) I also saw Winnie the Pooh trying to get into the tree. Oh, yeah, you mess up my moose. Oh, God, that's good. I support it. You know, it's been blocking this canal long enough that I'm already Mm -hmm. tired of the joke. It's just funny for just funny sake. You don't even have to explain it. There's nothing really to explain. I mean, I I do like Mm -hmm. the idea of a bunch of boat captains now, like, slamming their fists on the table and saying, we're rounding the Cape, boys, for the first (laughs) time since the 19th century. Yeah, I think of uh, Lawrence of Arabia, my favorite movie that I was going to make you guys watch. And he has to go to the Suez Canal. And it's just such a bizarre thing in that part of the world where it's just surrounded by desert. And you, you come across it and it's just like an oasis or a mirage that you wouldn't think was there. And then it's there and you're like, oh, so this is where all of the resources are getting sent. Oh, here's something fun. It just started trending that Steve Bannon is Q. Hasn't that been a rumor before? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. In the last 15 minutes, for some reason, I'm not fully investigating. But I'm seeing multiple, multiple tweets. Steve Bannon was Q. Steve Bannon was Q this whole time. Maybe this is what's being oh, shown. Oh, in the shit. <laughs> shit. As we You're speak. right. Because isn't it playing right now? Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Now I got to go watch it. We got to end early, so... I know. Apparently, there's also another Steve Bannon story that he had a uh, school in of far-right gladiators that he was trying to train in an 800-year-old monastery in Italy, and they well, weren't... Yeah, that there. happened, I think, two years ago. <laughs> Maybe it's just trending again. He moved, he yeah, he moved to Italy, and also, coincidentally, linked up with the Falun Gong. Well, I guess the decision of the court just became uh. official. Italy officially says they're legally allowed to evict him. Yeah, he was a weird personality in the Trump era. I came on 
as a journalist and had to cover him for way too long. And he, he came across as this weird, he called himself a Leninist at one point, and then... Oh, well, he called himself a Leninist in this very vulgar, like, I think, yeah. like, we should have a plan sort of way. Like as a weird revolutionary kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, yeah, that was it. It was like, oh, yeah, I want to tear down the Republican Party like a Leninist. And it's like, yeah, okay, dude, sure. And he always came across as this, like, sophist intelligentsia version of a super conservative. Yeah, he really tried to, like, be kind of a Julius Avola or similar such, like, I'm laying the groundwork for a uh, new American quasi-fascist intelligentsia. Yeah, like a conservative revolution. Yeah. Revolutionary, but, like, powered by this thinking class. And incidentally, also propagandist through Breitbart, which was only really popularized in the early days of Trump and then fell off. Well, I mean, Breitbart was popular when Andrew Breitbart. I mean, it was what it was when Andrew Breitbart was actually alive. And then we killed him. Yeah, I mean, it was always (laughs) just a, yeah, this is a mainstream far-right publication on the internet that some very conservative Republicans read. I just remember it had the worst headlines, and part of its mystique was the inability for most people to bear to read the paragraph that they would put at the top of every article. Yeah. And just the worst font. It seemed to be taking the tact that it wanted to keep people at a distance by its form more than its content. Well, also a lot of that like impact font aesthetic is trying to ape off of Drudge Report, too. Yeah, Yeah, it's very Drudge Report. Drudge Report put me on a watch list. Why? Why would they do that to you? Because I said I uh, wanted to break something if we were going to riot. Yeah, well, interestingly, uh, Matt Drudge is on a watch list where he can't be within like 100 feet of a school. So that seems like uh, justice right there. Yeah. You know, that's also unironically true. Matt Drudge, you should try suing me over that statement. (laughs) (laughs) So Now I just have the holding of Falwell versus Hustler magazine stuck in my head, but I'm pretty sure I'm good. I kind of wish I was old enough to understand the Bill Clinton scandal at the time. With the Drudge Report being the first ones to break it. And I feel like they got their name as the first. That is 100% where they got their name from. Publication to announce that the president got a beach. And also, like, at the time, because this is the 1990s, so everyone's like, you could get news from your computer? I don't believe it. Yeah, I remember that and thinking (laughs) it must be fake because everything from the internet is fake. Right. Yeah, no, so it had that all going for it. It was legitimizing the internet. That's right. Bill Clinton's BJ legitimized the internet. Al Gore invented it, but old Slick (laughs) Willie knocked it up. I can't wait for that Ryan Murphy show to come out, man. Isn't a fucking Edie Falco is playing Hillary. All about oh yeah, I heard about that scandal. I love Monica. 
Follow her on Twitter. She's great. I'm horrified every day to think about that time and how I was at an age where I was old enough that I wanted to think of myself as old, right? Uh, but in retrospect, I was Yeah, I, I, a I child. learned what sex was the week before, <laughs> and it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. That was a fun time. I mean, yeah, no, unforgivably horrifying for some of everything that happened around it. But, um, but yeah, no, being in like fifth grade and having that as the thing that was happening. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I was just in middle school, but people didn't care that much. <laughs> I felt like I cared because my dad was really into politics. And of course, my dad is a my, fan. Of my grandma Clinton. also. So, oh yeah, no. Uh, my, I mean, my parents were absolutely my, yeah. huge Bill Clinton fans. Like he just walked on gold. Yeah, uh, my dad definitely loved Bill Clinton. Definitely loves the entire Slick Willie persona. Even he's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> fuck him, get him, get him, Bill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so just being an adult and then thinking back to that time and then being like, oh my gosh, Monica Lewinsky was yeah, extremely young, young, got completely <laughs> railroaded and just fucked over by everyone. Everyone in the Democratic Party has absolutely no principles. <laughs> and there is a special place in hell for all of them. Except Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, she rules. We should just let yeah, her be president. Sure. Earned it. Qualified. You know what? Let's really exceed the expectations of people worried about cancel culture and let's just reward victims of things in the past with uh, Yeah, no, really what money. the people who are worried about <laughs> cancel culture really want is a reparations model to be instilled. They're always saying that. Mm-hmm. I want a first, presidential election matchup. Stormy Daniels versus Monica Lewinsky. I well, well no, then, I'm not. Be you know, Monica. I mean, we're obviously taking Monica's side. I just want, as you know, they say in the documentary about the cult. I want to put that into the world, and it'll manifest itself. So if I think good things, if I think about a Lewinsky Daniels 2024, it'll happen. But instead, fucking Joe Biden is going to run again. Yeah, that's the oh, big news right. from this hell we world. We all, and everybody's like, he's a Oh, yeah, but it does, game. as you pointed out, Bunny, it uh, does offer a little bright spot because it does annoy the shit out of the hive. And they can't say anything about it. They have to just be like, oh, mm-mm, mm-mm. So I am enjoying that since they were the ones who jokerfied Um Do you have week. any other jokerfication uh, <laughs> reports? It's a niche jokerfication, so I'm going to get vaccinated at the end of mm-hmm. this coming week. I'm super excited, but I then am thinking about going back and doing stand-up comedy in person. And I'm worried about the places in which... The comics who had a total disregard for safety measures this past year are like being mm. rewarded for their tolerance of the risk taking. And uh, they haven't got funnier. It's not like they're like, whoa, man, he's amazing now. <laughs> so I am just jokerfied thinking about smarmy club owners 
rewarding the handful of dipshit comics who were basically like, it's not a big deal. Oh, they're just trying to keep us down. Small business. There's um, a weekly comedy stand up on the roof of an apartment that's maybe a block away from my place. And if I go up on the roof on Saturday nights, I hear them. And what I'm saying is I know a place on a roof. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I feel like I'm going to switch over like uh, entirely because I think I've been a little bit more cautious than a lot of people I know. And I think this will not just allow me to feel safe. It'll allow me to feel oh, yeah. reckless. No, I've definitely uh. <laughs> been more careful than I think a lot of people have. And uh, yeah, I'm going to get drunk and then drive places. I'm not yeah, even going to take like, COVID-related like, like, risks. Oh, I'm just going to do like regular invested. risks. I'm just going to like, yeah, oh, get yeah, drunk and drive. It'll, it'll be great. Too. I want to get fucking super wasted outside. <laughs> like, I also want to go to events you know i'm not a busybody you know unless i'm performing i don't want to go hit a bunch of events but now i just feel like for at least a little while i'm gonna be like showing up to acquaintances shit just invading people's spaces it's exciting two days after i got my appointment the new jersey state thing was like it's time to make your appointment <laughs> so i could get cool. two vaccines if i wanted i'm not going to but if I wanted to, bam. So yeah, that's what's jokerifying me. I'm feeling pretty okay because I'm getting get vaccinated. All right, Steve, are you the last? I haven't. Did you? No. Nope. Are you? Do you have an appointment? You should have made one. The Javits Center opened up a bunch of them. If you are a deliverer, you are allowed to. Get yeah, it. I don't care. I. uh also think you should get vaccinated. I'll get vaccinated when they we'll give me a vaccine at my job. It's just how it's going to happen. <laughs> okay, well, Did they good luck. say they were going to do that? <laughs> yeah, just they have like all these old people in line uh. wrapping around the corner. So I haven't gotten it yet. It's like oh, the man. South well, Park I episode. Do not even, I do not even live in New York. I only work there and I got uh, an appointment. That's what I'm doing. I'm scamming the system here. Not really. I am eligible by many metrics. Yeah, I, I just, I've been roaming around the streets of New York for a year now with the pandemic raging and I haven't gotten it. So knock on wood, it'll happen. I don't want you to get it, it would, be, it would funny. be super funny. <laughs> it would be the punchline to every joke. All right. Just try to make it a little while longer, everyone. Yeah. Marlo's been quiet. Have you had anything happen? Are you getting a second shot? Yep. Thursday. That's right. We're going to be vaccinated, yep. Steve. And then and I'm off to uh, suck and fuck fest. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are uh, contributing to a little tiny audio show called Philosophy Drip on the Cappuccino app. I am uh, spearheading the ancient philosophers. And you guys are doing more of the modern ones. I think I'm going to do a couple of the, the middles. What middles are you going to do? Uh, if you're not going to do Nietzsche, I'm I was going to do... I guess it's not a middle that's... person. I guess I, I really should talk about, like, who's going to nope. do Kant. Fucking, uh, it's Kant sucks. That's all I will bite the bullet and I'll do Enlightenment. Um, if you want to do Nietzsche, you can do Nietzsche. Fine, fine, fine. But I am 
Well, I also think it would be funny if we all at least chose one philosopher that we kind of hate to do one on. Maybe I'll do mm. Ayn Rand. I hate her. I hate her. I hate her so much. So maybe uh, I'll do that. And then, uh, you know, a Descartes. Marla, what's your next one? I've done two very, well, very modern. I, I don't know how they uh, how they actually release. Well, yeah, I think we're we're pulling them back, and we're gonna do now, is the historically is now. the app so it's gonna be really mine first now. Like. Yes, it's available on both platforms, Android and the App Store for you iPhone users, myself included. They are still adding features every day. So sometimes there's a little glitch glitch. They're expanding. There's a, I've got some friends doing a, a little audio show about dating apps. That's pretty funny. Um, I'm doing a daily astrology report. Like I said, full moon in Libra, guys. And, uh, oh, there's like a recap show as well. But it is kind of a cool format. I did pre-Socratics, and then today I did Socrates and Plato. Tomorrow, I'm going to do Diogenes and Aristotle. <laughs> so, uh, though, I don't know. Uh, I don't you know. did Marx, right, Marlo? Yeah, which it's not out yet, but uh, I'm going to be doing various uh, mostly Marxist philosophers and mm -hmm. uh, yeah and yeah i guess mine isn't out either even though it's been out but i'm doing post-modern philosophers bolgiard leotard foucault that'll keep me busy for a while yeah i think it's it's good it's a challenge to do just three minutes about anything about any one person mm-hmm yeah, I definitely had a hard time with my ancient Greek philosophers because then I keep remembering uh, little factoids I want to include. You know, I'm trying not to make it too dry. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it fun. You know, Socrates, he could be kind of a bummer. Also, though, it was fun to talk about Plato because uh, I love shattering people's assumptions about the ancient Greeks because uh, Plato was kind of uh, undemocratic. In his ideal world, the philosophers rule everything. Like pure democracy was so gross because uh, it'd be like all the dummies. Yeah, the force said. of the masses. He did not, he, or he did not like that. But also his, uh, his theory of forms didn't leave much room for art or uh lies you know why even do it because uh it's all imperfect it can never be the ideal form so why even make it to which i say plato get out of here get out of here get out of here yeah forms um, are stupid mm -hmm. i mean he just didn't do enough drugs they just didn't have enough drugs in ancient greece just think he could have gotten to a hippy dippier place about it, you know. Instead, he was like, "No, for real. All that matters is these imaginary forms in this alternate dimension, kind of." And here is some illustrations of my ideas via made-up conversations amongst my friends. Uh, <laughs> I should do another episode that's just about the gay stuff in it. I was thinking. Can we do multiples on one philosopher? Just I was going to ask the exact same yes. question. Cover yes, different ideas can. that they have. Yeah, we can. That's totally cool. This is all up in the air. That's how they uh, they do things in the app world. So 
Yeah, if you get inspired any which way, right. just fucking go for it, guys. All right, see ya. We're out. We're see out of ya. here. <laughs> Bye. I need some tacos. Good night, Bruce. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Bruce. How are you, Bruce? Good evening, Bruce. Hello, Bruce. Good evening, ladies and Bruces. How are you all? Bruce, 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 Bruce and myself here have come to sing you a little song about our line of work. We're all from God's own country. Sure thing. Australia, land of sunshine and sharks. And we all work in the philosophy department of the University of Woolloomooloo. And thank we'd like to much. sing you... Thank you very much indeed, very Bruce. Very nice, thank you. Very nice. Well, I think we have some old Woolloomooloians in tonight. Have you got some uh, Fosters in the Esky forum there, Bruce? Lovely. Hand it out. Plenty more where that came from. You see, if you're nice to us, you get beer. <coughs> We'd like to sing a little song now. It goes something like this. Emmanuel Cat was a real piss and to his family rarely stable. I digger, I digger was a boozy beggar who could think you under the table. David Hume could have consumed Schopenhauer and Hegel And Wittgenstein was a very swine who was just a slosher stable There's nothing Nietzsche couldn't teach about the raising of the wrist Socrates himself was permanently pissed John Stuart Mill of his own free will I'm not punished and he was particularly ill Plato they say he could stick it away Half a grain of whiskey every day Aristotle, Aristotle was a bugger for the bottle Ox was fond of his dram And Rennie Descartes was a drunken fart I drink therefore I am Yes, Socrates himself is particularly missed A lovely little thinker about the bugger when he's pissed <laughs> Well done, Bruce. Thank you very much indeed, Bruce. Thank you very much indeed, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. Well, since that went so well, I think we'll do it again. Why don't you ask all the Bruce and Sheilas out there to join in? That's a very good idea, but they don't know the words, do they, Bruce? How are we going to do this? Do you have something in your sweaty pocket here, Bruce? Here we are. Ah, yes. Jesus Christ, he's got something here written on one of his things. Can you all see that now? We're all going to sing along. Okay, sing along. Right. On the two. Emmanuel Kant was a real pissant who was very... It's not going too well, well Bruce. There's a certain lack of alacrity there, Bruce, in the scene. I think the smart, suave New York audience is not joining us in here, Bruce. I don't think they like this, Bruce. Now, look, we're going to try it once more. Anybody not singing will have a bowl of Foster's lobbed at their heads. Right, Bruce, bring in the words. Now, there's no excuse. Okay, no complaining now. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Put some guts into it. Come on, Come on now. Emmanuel Kant was a real pissant who was very rarely stable. I dagger, I dagger was a boozy beggar who think you under the table. David Hume could have consumed Schopenhauer and Hegel. And Wittgenstein was a beery swine who was just as lost as Schlegel. There's nothing nature couldn't teach about the raising of the wrist. Socrates himself was permanently pissed. John Stuart Mill of his own free will, of Alexander was particularly ill. Plato decided to stick it away, off grain of whiskey every day. Aristotle, Aristotle was a bugger from the bottle. Hobbes was fond of his dram. And Rennie Descartes was a drunken fart, I drink, therefore I am. Yes, 
Socrates himself is particularly missed. Ah, lovely little finger, but I buy when he's pissed. Well done.